Chapter Thirteen of Toppleton's Client. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Toppleton's Client by John Kendrick Bangs. Chapter Thirteen, at Barncastle Hall. Toppleton's surmises as to Barncastle's method of receiving him appeared to be correct, for upon his arrival, green umbrella and carpet bag in hand, at the Fenwick Merton station, he was met by no less a person than his host himself, who recognized him at once. "'I knew it was you,' said Barncastle, as he held out his hand to grasp Toppleton's. "'I knew it was you as soon as I saw you. Your carpet-bag, and the fact that you are the only person on the train who travelled first class, were the infallible signs which guided me.' "'And I knew you, Barncastle, the minute I saw you,' said Hopkins, returning the compliment, "'because you looked less like a lord than any man on the platform. How goes it, anyhow?' The Englishman's countenance wore a puzzled expression as Toppleton put the question. "'How goes it?' he repeated slowly. "'How goes what? The train?' "'Oh, no,' laughed Hopkins. "'How goes it is Rocky Mountain for how's things, all your family well, and your creditors easy?' "'Ah, oh, I see,' said Barncastle with a smile. "'All is well with us, thank you. My daughter is awaiting your coming with very great interest. And as for my creditors, my dear sir, I am really uncertain as to whether I have any.' "'My steward can tell you better than I how they feel.' "'It's a great custom, ain't it?' said Hopkins with enthusiasm. "'That of being dunned by proxy, eh? I wish we could work it out my way. If you don't ante up right off out in the mountains, your grocer comes around and collects at the point of his gun, and if you pay him in promises, he gives you back your change in lead.' "'Fancy!' said Barncastle. "'How unpleasant it must be for the poor!' <laughs> "'Poor!' laughed Toppleton. "'There's none of them in the Rockies.' You don't get a chance to get poor in a country where boys throw nuggets at birds, and cats are removed from backyard fences with silver-boot jacks. Ever been in the Rockies, Barncastle? No, returned the Lord, I have not, but if all you say is true, I should like to visit that section very much. True, Barncastle? said Toppleton, bristling up. Why, my dear Lord, that if of yours would have dug your grave out near Pike's Peak. I meant no offence, my dear fellow, returned Barncastle apologetically. "'No need to tell me that,' said Toppleton affably. "'The fact that you still survive shows I knew it. Hmm, "'What time is dinner? I'm ravenous.' Eight o'clock,' replied Lord Barncastle, looking at his watch. "'It is now only three. "'Phew!' ejaculated Toppleton. Five hours to wait. "'I thought we might take a little drive around the country until six, "'and then we could return to the hall and make ready for dinner,' said Barncastle. "'That suits me,' returned Toppleton. "'But I wish you'd send that gentleman with the mutton-chop whiskers that drives your wagon to the lunch-counter, and get me a snack before we start.' "'No,' said Barncastle, ushering Toppleton into his dog-cart. "'We'll do better than that. We'll give up the drive until later. I take you directly to the hall, and send a cold bird and a glass of wine to your apartment.' Mwah! "'Good!' ejaculated Toppleton, with a smack of the lips. "'You must live pretty near as fine here as we do in our big hotels at home.' They're the only other places I know where you can get your appetite satisfied at five minutes' notice. Toppleton and his host then entered the carriage, and in a short time they reached the hall, a magnificently substantial structure, with ivy-clad towers, green gables, large arched windows looking out upon seductive vistas, and an air of comfortable antiquity about it that moved Hopkins' tongue to an utterance somewhat at variance with his assumed character. "'How beautiful and quiet it all is,' he said, gazing about him in undisguised admiration. "'A home like this, my lord, ought to make a poet of a man. 
the very air is an inspiration barncastle shrugged his shoulders and laughed and had toppleton not been looking in rapt silence out through the large bowed window at the end of the hall they had entered along an avenue of substantial oak trees to the silver waters of the bar bundle at its other end he might have seen a strange greenish light come into the eyes of his host which would have worried him not a little he did not see it however and in a moment he remembered his mission and the means he had adopted to bring it to a successful issue it beats the deck he ejaculated with a nervous glance at barncastle fearful lest his enthusiasm had led him to betray himself i find it a pleasant home said barncastle quietly ushering him into a spacious and extremely comfortable room which toppleton perceived in a moment was the library at the other end of which was a large open fireplace large enough to accommodate a small family within whose capacious depths three or four huge logs were blazing fiercely before the fire sat a stately young woman about twenty-five years of age who rose as the lord of burningford and his guest entered as she approached toppleton would have given all he possessed to be rid of the abominable costume he had on and when the young heiress of burningford's eye rested upon the fearfully green cotton umbrella he felt as if nothing would so have pleased his soul as the casting of that adjunct to an alleged americanism into the fire for lady alice was if he could judge from appearances a woman for whose good opinion any man might be willing to sacrifice immortality itself but circumstances would not permit him to falter and despite the fact that it hurt his self-respect to do it hopkins remained true to the object he had in view alice this is mr toppleton my daughter lady alice chatford mr toppleton said barncastle howdy said hopkins making an awkward bow to lady alice she don't need her title to show she's a lady he added turning to barncastle who seemingly acquiesced in all that he said my friend toppleton my dear said barncastle has paid me the compliment of travelling all the way from his home in the rocky mountains in the united states to see me he is the author of that wonderful sonnet i showed you the other night yes i remember said lady alice with a gracious smile which won toppleton's heart completely it was delightful lord barncastle and i are great admirers of your genius mr toppleton and we sincerely hope that we shall be able to make your stay with us here as pleasant for you as it is for us again hopkins would have disappeared through the floor had he been able to act upon the promptings of his own good taste it made him feel unutterably small to think that he had come here under the guise of an uncultivated boorish clod with poetical tendencies to work the overthrow of the genius of the house thank you he said his voice husky with emotion i had not expected so cordial a reception in fact he added remembering his true position i had a bet of ten to one with a friend of mine who was doing the lakes this afternoon that i'd get frozen stiff by a glance of your ladyship's eye i'm mighty glad i've lost the bet he has some courtliness beneath his unpolished exterior said lady alice later when recounting the first interview between them to some of her friends i quite forgave his boorishness when he said he was glad to lose his wager now mr toppleton said his host if you care to go to your apartment i will see that you get what you want just leave your umbrella in the coat-room and let parker take your bag up to your room thanks barncastle old fellow said the rocky mountain poet i'll go to my room gladly but as for leaving that umbrella out of my sight or transferring the handle of that carpet-bag to any other hand than my own i can't do it they're my treasures my lady he added turning to lady alice that bag and i have been inseparable companions for eight consecutive years and as for the umbrella we haven't been parted for five it's my protector and friend and since it saved my life in a shooting scrape at the papyrus club dinner in denver i haven't wanted to let it get away from me 
how odd he is said lady alice a moment later to her father toppleton having gone to his room are you sure he is not an impostor no i'm not returned barncastle with a strange smile but i know he is not a thief i fancy he is amusing and i believe he will be a valuable acquisition to my circle of acquaintances have you heard from the duchess of bangletop yes she will be here i told her you had a real american this time not an imitation englishman a poet and as far as we could judge a character who would surely become a worthy addition to her collection of oddities a match in fact for her german worshipper of napoleon and that other strange freak of nature she had at her last reception the young illinois widow who whistled the score of parsifal <laughs> the duchess must have been pleased said barncastle with a laugh this toppleton will prove a perfect godsend to her for she has absolutely nothing that is bizarre for her next reception toppleton upstairs in a magnificently appointed chamber from the windows of which were to be seen the most superb distances that he had ever imagined was a prey alternately to misery and to joy he felicitated himself upon the apparent success of his plan while bemoaning his unhappy lot in having to keep his true self under in a society he felt himself capable of adorning and to enter which he had always aspired it's too late to back out now though he said if i were to strike my colours at this stage of the battle i should deserve to be put in a cask and thrown into the bar bundle yonder when i look about me and see all these magnificent acres when i observe the sumptuous furnishing of this superb mansion when i see unequalled treasures of art scattered in profusion about this castle and then think of that poor devil of a chatford roaming about the world without a piece of bric-a-brac to his name or an acre or a house or bed or chair or table of any kind without even a body it makes me mad here his body the inferior part of man the purely mortal section of his being is living in affluence while his immortal soul is a very tramp an outcast a wanderer on the face of the earth barncastle barncastle you are indeed a villain of the deepest here toppleton paused and looked apprehensively about him he seemed to be conscious of an eye resting upon him a chill seized upon his heart and his breath came short and quick as it had done but once before when his invisible client first betrayed his presence in number seventeen i wonder if this is one of those beastly castles with secret doors in the wainscot and peepholes in the pictures he said nervously to himself it would be just like barncastle to have that sort of a house and of course nothing would please him better than to try a haunted chamber on me the conjunction of a ghost and a rocky mountain poet would be great but after my experience with chatford i don't believe there is a ghost in all creation that could frighten me nevertheless i don't like being gazed at by an unseen eye i'll have to investigate then toppleton investigated he mounted chairs and tables to gaze into the stolid unresponsive oil-painted faces of somebody's ancestry he knew not whose not barncastle's he was sure for barncastle was an upstart nothing wrong could be found there the eyes were absolutely proof against peeping toms then he rolled the heavy bureau and several antique chests away from the massive oak wainscoting that ran about the room eight feet in height and superbly carved he tapped every panel with his knuckles and found them all solid as a rock no secret door in that he said and then for a second time he experienced that nervous sensation which comes to him who feels that he is watched and as the sensation grew more and more intense and terrifying an idea flashed across toppleton's mind which heightened his anxiety by jove he said i wonder if i am going mad can it be that chatford is an illusion a fancy creation of a weak mind am i become a prey to hallucinations 
and if so am i not in grave danger of my personal liberty here if barncastle should discover my weakness it was rather strange indeed that this had not occurred to hopkins before it was the natural explanation of his curious experience and the sudden thought that he had foolishly lent himself to the impulses of a phantasm and was carrying on a campaign of destruction against one of the world's most illustrious men based solely upon a figment of a diseased imagination was prostrating he staggered to the side of a large tapestried easy-chair and limp with fear toppled over its broad arm into its capacious depths an almost nerveless mass of flesh and bones he would have given worlds to be back in the land of the midnight sun in new york in london anywhere but here in the house of barncastle of burningford and he resolved then and there that he would return to london the first thing in the morning place himself in the hands of a competent physician and trifle with the creations of his fancy no more a prey to these disquieting reflections toppleton lay in the chair for at least an hour the last rays of a setting sun trembled through the leaves of the tree that shaded the western side of the room and darkness fell over all and with the darkness there came into toppleton's life an experience that scattered his fears of a moment since to the winds and so tried and exercised his courage that that fast-fading quality gained a renewed strength for the fearful battle with a supernatural foe in which he had out of his goodness of heart undertaken to engage a clock in the hall outside began to strike the hour of six in deep measured tones that to toppleton in his agitated state of mind was uncomfortably suggestive of the bell in coleridge's line that quote unquote, nails us back to a world of death at the last stroke of the hammer the tone seemed to become discordant and in a frenzy of nervous despair toppleton opened his eyes and sprang to his feet as he did so his whole being became palpitant with terror for staring at him out of the darkness he perceived a small orb-like something whose hue was that of an emerald in combustion he clapped his hands over his eyes for a moment but that phosphorescent gleam penetrated them and then he perceived that it was not an eye that rested upon him but a ray of light shining through a small hole that had escaped his searching glance in the wainscoting the relief of this discovery was so great that it gave him courage to investigate and stepping lightly across the room noiseless as a particle of dust he climbed upon a chair and peeped through the aperture though it nearly blinded him to do so to shade his eyes from the blinding light he again covered them with his hand and again observed that its intensity was sufficient to pierce through the obstruction and dazzle his vision the hand so softened the light however that he could see what there was on the other side of the wall though it was far from being a pretty sight that met his gaze what he saw was a small oblong room in which there was no window and at first glance no means of entrance or exit it was high sealed like the room in which he stood and with the exception of a narrow couch covered with a black velvet robe with a small pillow of the same material at the far end the room was bare of furniture there was no fire no fixture of any kind lamp or otherwise from which illumination could come and yet the room was brilliant with that same green light that chatford had described to hopkins at his office in the temple so dazzling was it that for a moment hopkins had difficulty in ascertaining just what there was in the apartment but as he looked he became conscious of forms which grew more and more distinct as his eye accustomed itself to the light on the couch in a moment appeared rigid as in death the body of barncastle the eyes lustreless and staring the hands characterless and bluish even in the green light the cheeks sunken and the massive forehead white and cold as marble the sight chilled toppleton to the marrow and he averted his eyes from the horrible spectacle only to see one even more dreadful for on the other side of the apartment grinning fiendishly the source of the wonderful light that flooded the room 
he now perceived the fiend making ready to assume once more the habiliments of mortality he was stirring a potion and as hopkins watched him he began to whistle a combination of discords that went through toppleton's ears like a knife the watcher became sick at heart this was the frightful thing he had to cope with so frightful was it that he tried to remove his eye from the peephole and seek again the easy-chair when to his horror he found that he could not move if his eye had in reality been glued to the aperture he would not have found it more firmly fixed than it was at present as he struggled to get away from the vision that was every moment being burned more and more indelibly into his mind the fiend's fearful mirth increased at the close of one of the paroxysms of which he lifted the cup in which the potion had been mixed to his lips and quaffed its contents to the very dregs as the last drop trickled down the fiend's throat hopkins was startled further to see the light growing dim and then he noticed that the fiend was rapidly decreasing in size shrinking slowly from a huge spectral presence into a hardly visible ball of green fire which rolled across the apartment to where the body lay up the side of the couch to the pillow along the pillow to that marble white forehead where it paused a tremor passed through the human frame lying prostrate there and in a moment all was dark as night the ball of fire had disappeared through the forehead and a deep groan told toppleton that the body of barncastle was once more a living thing having the semblance of humanity a moment later another light appeared in the apartment into which toppleton still found himself compelled to gaze this time the light was more natural for it was the soft genial light of a lamp shining through a sliding panel at the other end of the room through which the lord of burningford passed it lasted but a moment for as the defendant in this fearful case of chatford versus burningford passed into the room beyond the slide flew back and all was black once more with the departure of barncastle toppleton was able to withdraw from his uncomfortable position and in less than a moment lay gasping in his chair oh it is too real he moaned to himself chatford did not deceive me i am not the victim of hallucination alas i wish i were a knock at the door put an end to his soliloquizing and he was relieved to hear it here was something earthly at last he flew from his chair across the room through the darkness to the door and threw it wide open come in he cried and barncastle himself still pale from the effects of the ordeal he had passed through entered the room i have come to see if there is anything i can do for you he said pleasantly touching an electric button which dissipated the darkness of the room by lighting a hundred lamps the duchess of bangletop has arrived and is anxious to meet you but you look worn toppleton you are not ill i hope no stammered toppleton slightly overcome by barncastle's coolness and affability but i-i've been taking a nap and i've had the-the most horrible dream i ever had which was that i-why <laughs> that i was writing an obituary poem on me queried barncastle calmly no said toppleton on myself End of chapter 13